Lamb, and welcome to Edgenode, the only show that's brave enough to destroy the entire publishing industry with the power of Skynet. I'm Mark. And I'm Leno. And today, our show is going to be all about feature creep. Just tons and tons and tons of features. Most of them are entirely dependent on AI, um, which is going to be great. The other week, Google presented all kinds of features at its yearly I.O. weird developer. I mean, it's called a developer conference, but it's actually just like a kitchen sink. Here's like going around to your department. Hey, do you have something that you're working on? Yeah. Is it done? No. Is it like barely usable from a consumer perspective? Yeah. We're going to announce it at I.O. Okay. And then uh, do you like have something about the Discord usernames? Yeah, I had um, I had a bit um, a bit of a story of di- on the recent Discord um, username changes um, um, recently making waves. Um, Discord um, has recently decided to make some changes on how um, their username system works, and the community is frankly not happy about it. Um, if I if I recall correctly, um, they're um, they're going to be removing the. Um, Famous for digit discriminator um, that follows all Discord u- um, usernames. So you know that little um, that little uh, for me. I don't know two six zero one that make um, that makes you feel special. Uh, and um, they decided um, and uh, they decided to instead go with a more uh, simplified uh, lowercase and uh, alphanumeric style to fit um, with more of a uh, uh, like a consi- consistent uh, like user experience across all platforms. Um, you know how um, how t- um, YouTube is um, switching more at like like at um like at uh, your username or uh, Twitter is doing the like. Um, they um they're simpl- they're essentially trying to simplify it, and uh, the and the community is not um too fond of that. First, we're just going to be talking a lot about Google and AI, uh, two things that pretty much dominate a large part of our lives, and even without us realizing it, Google has basically consolidated entire industries, being online advertising, uh, video playback. That's a big one. Like YouTube just has a gigantic audience and it is the space for online videos. Like other than TikTok, I can't really think of another place that's even remotely approaching that other than maybe Facebook. But, you know, that's Facebook. (laughs) They've basically been coasting on a lot of different revenue streams for a long time. But as we all know, in the fourth quarter of 2022, uh, well, this was third and fourth quarter of 2022, ad spending decreased significantly. Google was unable to keep up with the rising tides of just sort of inflation Mm. and spiking interest rates. A lot of these other firms, they just didn't have a whole lot of money to put into these platforms. And thus, Google's hegemony over these markets was kind of running into a huge brick wall. Like, you can only grow so much in such a tightly constrained environment. So they had to just engage in a whole bunch of layoffs, a whole bunch of consolidation. They shut down an entire experimental project startup incubator thing called Area 120, which if you just want to think about like the most 2010s free money, venture capital is giving us everything they've got. There's just tons of grads coming in from MIT, that kind of stuff. That is gone. Like that remnant of that era is gone. Google had to consolidate tons of products because it was a very confusing landscape. They had like five messaging apps (laughs) and barely any of them were good. And this was continuing Continuing to go down this path, uh, Google had also other uh, threats coming in. I mean, the European Union had used GDPR as a weapon against them to stop them from being as rapacious as they were with European users' uh, personal data. Hmm. What was happening was they were just like storing it overseas, which was not compliant with GDPR. And so this was causing a big stir. Regulators got a hold of this. And regulators both in Europe and the United States have talked about their monopoly on advertising. There's been all the stuff with the Play Store. Epic had their you know big moment of fame by sticking it to both the App Store and the Play Store. Yeah, being... um, to mixed mixed opinion. Yeah, uh... and, 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 that's, and that one's been a really interesting one to watch. And then there's been AI. Uh, Sam Altman decided that his team wasn't releasing any actual products at OpenAI, so he was just like, here, we're going to roll out ChatGPT, it's going to be very beta, it's going to be, it's going to say a lot of very... <laughs> Simplified, like, basic stuff, you know, <laughs> like, I mean, like a couple, couple like, like, baby words. If any, if anything, it's, it's, I don't think it, I don't think it's simple enough. It was a very rapid, very 
off-the-cuff rollout. Hmm. The AI was given a personality that I don't think people were prepared for. It said <laughs> a lot of very unsavory things oh, and God. also just confidently lied to people. And then Microsoft was like, what if we just integrated this into Bing, which is already a product people have had a lot of very mixed opinions about. And thus, both ChatGPT Chat basically became the fastest growing consumer product ever in many ways. Bing was rapidly being adopted, although in the grand scheme of things, it just didn't take a whole bunch of market share from Google. I think it was a really fun stunt. It was a really fun experiment. It got a lot of press because Kevin Roos, uh, the robot, tried to convince him to divorce his wife. It was great. Um, (laughs) (laughs) There was that New York Times report and it just went all over the place. And then suddenly people started to realize like, oh wait, I actually don't want this. And this doesn't feel like a real product that's ready to come to market yet. It's just like a text box and occasionally it'll throw in some advertisements. So that's what Google I.O. is riding off of the heels of. Everyone's just going absolutely insane. They're like, Google, I thought you were an AI-first company. You said that in 2017, but now you're falling asleep at the wheel, and you're not innovating, and you're not doing what OpenAI is doing. And it's basically just like, look at at this, look at this. Everyone's just pointing fingers over at Microsoft and OpenAI, even though the products themselves are not all that great. And Google, in many ways, took the bait on this. Their bluff was called... And so they had to rush out products of their own. As we all remember, the rollout of their own chat bot, which was supposed to be kind of a the, dueling version of, of chat GPT. Like the, the, what was it called? Like the Bard? Bard yep, or something? Bard. And yeah. I was on the wait list for that, and I got off the wait list months ago. It was it was all right. I asked it to make a frittata. It, it you know, gave me a pretty good frittata recipe. Um, it said a few things that were completely wrong about <laughs> Android 14. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, or at least it, it said things about Android 14 that were already features in Android 12. Um, I don't know how much that actually matters. It never cites its sources anyway. It, it was very clearly an experiment and not meant to be a consumer-facing product. So what Google ended up doing was they announced some other features for Workspace early on, this was before IO, and now three months on after March, after they um, talked about a lot of that stuff, mm-hmm. and after Microsoft has already rolled out tons of these OpenAI-driven features in its workspace products, like you can have it draft an email for you in Outlook, you can have it draft entire documents for you in Word, mm-hmm. you can have it uh, screw about with your slides and yeah. PowerPoint and all that. Google is kind of on the defensive here. Both their workspace suite and their search business, all of this stuff is about to go up in flames. And the entire publishing industry in many ways is having very serious questions of like, how do we drive traffic to our sites in a world where people are not interacting with our sites and instead they're just talking to these robots? With all those questions in mind, (laughs) Sundar Pichai walked out on the stage Mm. on May 10th in Mountain View, California, where they've always done this show, or not where they've always done this show, but yeah, where they have done this show for a long time. And what it was normally a routine yearly developer conference mm-hmm. was suddenly turned into a race against, a, against the clock. And their communication here was very crucial. They mm-hmm. had to look confident. They had to be very upfront about this stuff. They also had to talk about things that legitimately differentiated their approach to AI compared to these other companies. Are they going to do it more responsibly? Or are they going to do it in a way that actually integrates features that people really want? So these were all the questions that people were asking of them. Needless to say, it's really difficult to feel bad for a trillion dollar company. But at the same time, you just have to think about it. Like this is it, this is something that could very well it can go wrong in a lot of ways, but like at the same time, mm-hmm. it, can, it can go. I don't know. I guess it can go right, but right. for a multi multi million dollar company, it, it is still funny that they're <laughs> that um, that they're definitely trying before it's ready. Right, and I mean Sachin Della when he was talking to uh, Nilay Patel on his show Decoder, he basically set it outright, like, we made Google Dance. And they they did. Uh, I think a lot of the products that they announced, uh, that they ended up announcing at I.O. were things that were very much influenced by the culture of the time with AI and things that they definitely had in the works for years, but they, they were very slow, very careful with the rollout, but they can't afford to be careful now. So, we're, yeah, we're going to be going over that. 
So the first thing Sundar announced was uh, Duet AI. Mm. So with uh, Duet AI and with that whole integration with Google Workspace, what it's basically going to do is it's going to do the same thing that Microsoft Office is trying to do right now. You will never have to write another email to your boss ever again. I don't know Ooh. how I feel about that. Just as somebody who's who's just as somebody who's in a communications related profession, this mm. is really concerning to me in the sense that like are we just going to become a bunch of brains and bats and are the robots just going to be talking to each other? But Only like half the time. I mean, yeah. <laughs> no, and, and here's the thing. Google's already used AI for just kind of like recommended actions in Gmail, recommended actions in Google Docs. It wasn't like auto-drafting, right? But it was able to use predictive algorithms to be like, this is probably what you want to type, right? right. And it got it right like 50% of the time. But yeah, it, it wasn't using this like g these crazy large language generative models that we see like OpenAI using with ChatGPT. So that was a really big thing. One, uh, one example that they actually brought up was a college search, right? Mm -hmm. So what they did was using this new language model that they've developed, which is based off of something called Palm. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, the details of it aren't important. What is important is like the, the product, the end user part of it. What they were able to do was basically make a spreadsheet of, hey, here's all of these colleges. We're comparing the price. We're comparing, you know, like location, all of this stuff. And we're putting it in a spreadsheet, but we're not making the spreadsheet at all. This AI is what's making this table. And they also included this like similar sort of feature within the Bard chatbot as well, mm -hmm. where you could create a table or create text and send that to any one of your workspace apps like Gmail or Sheets or something like that, which was really cool. The issue is I mean, these things have a, an issue with accuracy already. And when you can't really check where this data is coming from, when you can't really check where these sources are coming from, the, the problem is like, yeah, it, it's really awesome that, it, that it's able to make this spreadsheet and that it's able to streamline the search. But then you run into the issue of, well, is any of this accurate? Yeah, like, a, I... like is it legible? Like, yeah. <laughs> what, what, for a lot of the time, um, it's, it's really not. Uh, um, uh, the, the amount of times I've had to use like Chat GPT, just Chat GPT to do do mm -hmm. anything, uh, I um like yeah, I usually have to like run it through a Grammarly just to make sure that um that it's grammatically correct. Yeah. And that and that's what I have to do for a lot a lot of OpenAI um um chats on these days. You know, everybody's just kind of pump I'm um, pumping them out <laughs> like uh, um like on on any app that they can find. Yeah. Uh, but they apparently don't um don't input spell check. Yeah. Well, like this is the thing. It's like move fast, break things. This was the entire motto of this early 2010s late 2000s kind of going into like post-recession trying to create a new industrial revolution thing in the bay area kind of kind of stuff and and ai was riding off of the heels of that and a lot of ai driven products these were using much simpler algorithms but in 2017 google said like we are becoming an ai first company and that started with uh, other products like google assistant mm -hmm. and google assistant as we remember was great for years in terms of just like comparing it to the other AI voice assistants that existed. Right. Siri felt like it was just a whole a like chest blade. of canned. Yeah, it felt like it was a chest of canned responses. Yeah, and it hadn't really improved a whole bunch since 2011. I, I would argue it still hasn't. I mean, it's uh, it's gotten yeah. a little bit better with natural language. Mm -hmm. It definitely says responses better, and it's definitely capable of a lot more. But the development has definitely stalled, and. Uh, Oh, oh no, oh no! If you don't like, they're they're gonna figure out how to get this AI thing like into theory. There's no way. I mean, yeah. I, like I, I don't know, like what Apple's uh, ne uh, next uh, conference is in September. Right. Oh yeah. yeah, you you know that Siri is getting an overhaul this year, well, or, yeah. or if not I this mean, year, then the next. I mean, like in June we have WWDC coming up, so we'll see what they uh, unveil there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, so there was the workspace thing. Um, they introduced another feature in Google Maps. Basically, the they can use generative AI to create more immersive views. I, I'm sure you've used the Google Maps 3D view mm -hmm. before. I'm, I'm not a big fan of it. I find that it's always just very slow, and there's like tons of graphical artifacts, and I'd much rather just look at the 2D satellite. Mm -hmm. But it's... It's it's usable and it's about to become more usable. They're even like generating little cars driving by to simulate traffic. It's it's hilarious. I love it. But <laughs> it's you know it's it's funny. It's stupid, but it's it's a totally Google feature. Eccentric thing to do. Yeah. yeah. That 
Yeah, that's that's one thing I do like about Google that they definitely they are definitely a company that throws a lot to the wall and just sees what sticks. Yeah, and and I think that this is a good way of doing it responsibly. It's not like before where it's like every single department is a fiefdom and you're just encouraged to start a project and that's how you advance profit, like yeah. as a project manager. You, it, within the company, even if the project has no chance of being an actual usable product, or if it rolls out and then is canned in a couple of years, like think of how many projects but, have entered the Google graveyard. <laughs> like at, at least over twenty, <laughs> hundreds. Like, yeah, hun yeah, we're in the hundreds. Yeah, but it's like we're in the pretty, hundreds. Pretty Allo bad. is dead. Uh, Hangouts is dead. Google uh, Plus. Google Plus is long dead. That was the most famous one. I got three cents in for a lawsuit that I was apparently a part of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's 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 pretty rough. But um, there's other things as well. Um, they've. Uh, also rolled out some features for Android. You can have an AI generate wallpapers for Android. I mean, Android's done a lot of things like using dynamic colors and stuff like that for icons. It's it's not like super crazy. Um, Android 14 was already going to be a pretty just like not unimportant release for Android for many people. And also just when when Google talks about Android features, a lot of the times when they're announcing them at I.O., it's really difficult to discern whether these are Android features or Google Pixel phone exclusive features. Yeah. Because Android itself is very fragmented and different companies have different takes on it. Samsung has their own fork and their their own installs with their with their own exclusive apps and Google has theirs. Um, yeah, and, and there and Android itself as a platform is, uh, but these features still apply to everybody, right. regardless. I mean, if these are rolled out into the just like the mainline version of Android, they're going to trickle down to everybody else. Um, but other than Workspace and Android and all of that, there's just other things. Uh, I mean, I can't believe I'm already nearing time right now, but. <laughs> Search generative experience was probably the biggest announcement that I saw there, or the biggest one for me, and I'm on the wait list to test that. I'll let you know how that works. Please, um, please do. Oh yeah, it's 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 insane. Um, it looks amazing, just the way that it automatically generates like a really rich description and experience of whatever's going on in the articles that it's searching through, right? Mm. So it, it'll page through all of these. It'll like look into this New York Times article and be like, oh, so I found a few answers to this question here um, from this, you know, reputable source that we've combed through. There's, uh, you know, this many hot dogs consumed every day in... Uh, Angola or something, right? <laughs> and it'll continue to page through that information and in a way that respects like natural language and in a way that you can interface in with natural language. Like if you think about the way that you do a Google search, right? Everything you do is SEO optimized. Right. So you're like bike with uh, long battery life that can switch gears seamlessly or something like that. Right, it's and you're using very specific descriptive language, and none of it is allowed to be broad or general. And that's what Google's trying to do here. They are basically saying, like, hey, you can now interface with search in a way like you're actually talking to someone. They've already kind of started this multimedia experience as a response to like the growing popularity of TikTok. Or uh, later last year, they introduced this thing where like you'll search it and then you'll just see a whole bunch of different images and videos popping up and it'll all be arranged in, the, in a kind of like this bubbly... Like a kind of textish kind of thing? Like yeah. A, yeah, like I'm kind of like in a... I don't know, a loading nexus, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, a nexus. Yeah. That's what that's what it kind of looks like. And it's not the blue hyperlinks of your. <laughs> oh, yeah, and I really do like that that new uh, style of presentation. But the issue with search generative experience is the same problems that we're having across the publishing industry. What is it, like, how is it going to drive traffic? Is it going to take traffic away? Is it going to absolutely remove this essential key uh part of advertising that we've been um, so like so accustomed to yeah well, I mean, and, and that's the thing it's like all of this source of revenue that both Google relies on and also these publishers rely on to generate revenue for themselves They're how it's like a chicken and egg problem it's an innovator's dilemma right because Google can't sh rock the boat too much because otherwise their source of income is gone but 
would you even want to make the AI make the AI be able to just say everything? Because these publishers also have a lot of their own content, and people want to be able to research and access. Well, as part as part of the open market, as um, AI becomes becomes more stronger and powerful, um, um, everyone's going to start learning from right. each other. I say with quotation marks uh, to um, to pretty much uh, one um, one up and best each other um, um, for the for the time being, and that's just the game of an open market. So, although Google definitely does have their um, have their um, their uh, work cut out for them. Uh, they, um, I don't necessarily think that they're um, that they're out of the running either. Um, they, mm-hmm. um, they have been making very, um, very big strides with their um, with their uh, bar. I have I have been using it a bit too myself actually, and they um and, and they have been improving their um the generations or like what um what's generated. Um at um at the time um or at the time of this recording, they um they actually do just have a draft system where it'll just, it'll just give you in, um, multiple mm-hmm. uh, drafts of um um of a um of a text in, unless you choose um what um like what um, which one is the most like appropriate or which one um, works out for you the most right. so um so with um so with that in mind there um they are already like g- trying to get outside the box a little bit i can mm-hmm. see them already trying to um to flex their creative muscles but i um but i also expect there to be not blowback but ne- um but i guess uh, matching in turn i expect i expect i expect companies to um to look at look at their example and um and build off of it and um and we'll just see where it goes uh, and i guess just like a final note before the break um chat gb uh, chat gbt Bing AI, it's they they were really cool experiments, but I think what Google is showing us here is an actual product mm-hmm. for AI driven search, and this is going to be interesting. Seeing large language models here, it of course, has a whole bunch of ethical questions, but um, Google is responding to those at least in a at least in a, in a with a sort of pretense, right? But well, kind, yeah. well, kind of. I, I asked Bart a couple a lot of ethical questions, and <laughs> I. I'm not. I will. I will not confirm or deny that Bard knows where to um, where to buy an extended uh, baton from from the black market. But yeah. <laughs> but uh, Bard. I'll just say Bard definitely knows some suggestions. <laughs> well, um, after the break, with that note, uh, we will be talking about the Discord in Discord. Swat. See you then. <laughs> Welcome back. So this show might as well just be titled because we're two episodes in. It might as well just be titled "Your Chat App Sucks" with with Mark and Linnell. <laughs> so what did you find out about this uh, latest Discord drama, or explain this Discord drama? This is very interesting. Huh. Well, um, well, yeah. Well, I've heard um, for and for anyone that um, did not hear, um, hear the, uh, um, the the initial last thing, uh, Discord is um, is making a, um, a lot of. Uh, um, massive uh, name changes uh, to their um, to their system and uh, and platform so um, um so more specifically they're removing the um for um the four letter uh, um, four digit sorry discriminator uh, that follows um, after um, each of your usernames so from um, now on is going to be a alphanumeric and lowercase na- uh, name for your account uh, and and I believe that will also include uh, di- um, discord uh, servers as well now not not everybody is particularly on board with this um a lot um there are um there are a lot um there's a good amount of a uh, pushback um regard um, regarding the uh um the announcement and um and the reasons um uh, around it uh did um discord as of the time on the time of this recording had um did release a statement uh um in um in accordance with the um with the uh, decision uh and um and uh to and did um to kind of give um give a little bit of a uh that uh, a visual or i guess say or i guess a idea of where of where their heads are on on it uh, um i'll be uh re- i'm reading from a um article from the verge uh but i'm a set, i'm essentially go i'm going over their um their um their uh conference so uh co um so a co-founder and a cto stan of stanislav oops sorry if i mispronounced this vishnevsky jeez uh acknowledged the change would be quote, tough for some people. But he said that uh, um, the discriminators had proven too confusing. Uh, he noted that over 40% of users don't know their discriminator number, which is a lie, uh, which leads to <laughs> almost half of all um, friend requests failing to connect people to the right person, largely due to mistyped numbers. Uh, the article then continues uh, that, um, that uh, over on Reddit, uh, Vish Novesky, um argued that the new handles um, wouldn't even show up in the interface that often since um, Discord um, that op- oh Jesus um, show up in the interface that often since um, Discord allow you um, users to set a separate display name that's not unique. Uh, carrying more than 500 downvotes on some Reddit replies, uh, he called the original system a quote halfway measure and rejected ideas like just you know 
adding more numbers to the end of the handle or, you know, uh, just not taking away the handle at all. Uh, but he decided that um, that was too big of a deal as, quote, this was not a change that we decided to do like unlikely, um, and we have been talking about doing it for many years, uh, trying to avoid it if we could, he posted. Uh, during the change, Discord users will um, have to navigate a process that's fraught with uncertainty and cutthroat competition. Users will need to wait for an in-app prompt for when there's when there when it's their turn um, to select a new new username, which will eventually roll out to all users over the course of quote several months. Uh, the um, the company will assign priority um, to users based on their Discord registration dates, so people who have had their name for quite a while will have a better chance to get a desired name. So, uh, for um, for anybody that needs a bit of clarification, what that essentially means is that um, you're um, that if you already had an existing um, name or username on the Discord site for the, um, the amount of time you used it, I know for for a lot of people they start using it during COVID. Um, that um, that is going to essentially be um, be put up into um, up into the air and for um, and for grabs for um, for anybody that um, that's looking. Uh, you're, um, it, um, you will no longer um, um, have that name. You will have, um, you'll have to just try and get lucky and, um, and, and reclaim it uh, when, um, whenever, whenever you get the chance to. Um, and it um, necessary, necessarily um, already causes like a bunch, um, uh, a number of issues. Uh, um, off the top of my head, I, um, I can already name one being uh, the fact that um, the fact that people aren't going to get their names. Uh, and if you're uh, from, I'm from the, I'm from uh, what, what I can gather. Uh, they, um, they don't, they don't necessarily believe to. Uh, they're expect to be rolling out this um, this uh, new change uh, um, um, at, at a seven, seven month benchmark they will be doing it over the course of seven months which means that um, diff, um, different people uh, um, over others will be entitled to having their name first and that um, and that well innately is going to ca cause a lot of issues mm -hmm. so I don't know how they're going to um, to con um, to combat that I don't know how they're going to necessarily keep um, keep uh, people's um, usernames somewhat uh, <laughs> uh, uh, tied, um, tied to everyone's accounts um, because I, uh, at least for a lot of people on Discord and really just any platforms, every, um, people's um, handles and their account names are um, basically synonymous with their lives or their personas, identities, and to, um, and, to take, and to take that away from them and strip them over what, um, what is basically what you describe as an inconvenience or what they describe as an inconvenience is, um, is well, Bull honky. Um, so, um, so in a statement to the Verge, uh, Discord said that um, they they would be trying to navigate the change gracefully for its best known users, best known users. Uh, so, pretty much in, um, anybody that you, um, uses it terminally twenty four seven or runs a runs a community, or if I had to guess, is um, is a uh, do um, is a uh, following in accordance with their newly released or, or community. Uh, program, which is um, which is um, designed to compete with other social networks like Facebook and Twitter, which, if you don't know about that, um, is um, is um, essentially um, going to be putting um, um, creators or uh, moderators in charge of their own communities and get paid for it. Um, so. Um, so I, if I had to guess, they're probably going to be um, or putting those people first. Um, any um, anybody that's uh, um, anybody that um, that falls into that um, category. Uh, uh, they, um, the article then goes on to say from um, from Discord as a quote, uh, we created um, processes for high visibility users to secure usernames that will allow them to operate on our platform with minimal risk and impersonation, end quote, said Kelly Sloan, director of product communications. Users with a um, with a standing business relationship with Discord who manage a um, certain partner, verified or creator servers, there it is, will be able to pick a username before other users in order to reduce the risk of impersonation for their account. Uh, a lot of Discord users will fall outside of those boundaries. At, um, as a content creator who is relatively well, with, who has a relatively large fan base, uh, my handle is subject to a username sniping by someone with an older account than mine, uh, says the artist Zesty Lemons, who uses <laughs> who, <laughs> uh, sorry sorry they caught me off guard too, uh, who uses uh, Discord to uh, connect with fans, uh, writes to The Verge. Uh, they go. They then go on to say, "I am not a Discord partner, nor am I famous enough to obtain their recognition. So I will absolutely not have security with my public handle." Zessie Lemons noted for um, that for people who do get undesirable names, there's a risk um, of being swatted or threatened to give it up. Something that's happened on Instagram and Twitter, um, and mo most notably on Twitter. If um, for anybody that's following the Elon Musk debacle with um, relating to Twitter Blue, uh, the article continues. Discord under, um, users understand right now that there are a lot of accounts with very similar names, distinguished only by random numbers at the end. But absolute names change that understanding. They encourage people to look for believable usernames. If somebody nabs the one and only at Verge, uh, the Verge's Twitter handle, uh, on Discord, uh, people um, could be more inclined to believe it's us. <coughs> 
and that um and that is gen um generally where um, where the crux of the issue comes in, where um which is a your your loss of identity, but um but b you, um the risk of impersonation. Now um now there um there's already been a bit of a, co a community feed um feedback to it. People that are um that are a bit more in um in line uh with um with uh, the like the goings on of Discord uh. Um, they um they had a couple of uh, state um statements to say here. Um, one user said, uh, "I'm really disappointed that Discord is getting rid of usernames. I've had my username for years, and it's part of my online identity. I don't want to lose it, which is a very va um val valid argument. Uh, nope, no one wants to lose um lose their um, lose their identity on any on any online platform. Is um is pretty much their whole entire livelihood. Blood. A lot of people put a lot of content and work um work out under those monikers, and um and it's pretty much not only bad for their personal lives, but bad for business when you take that away. Discord in particular. There's so many sub." Reddit, some um, where art where artists go to share their work. Uh, another another um, art or commentator says, uh, "I'm worried that this change will make it easier to um, for people to impersonate me because it will. Uh, I'm not sure why Discord is making this change." Um, and uh, and uh, another another one says, uh, "I'm not sure what to think about the um, changes to usernames. I'm not a fan of losing my discriminator, but I um, but I guess I'll have to get used to it." Um, another says, "I think um, the changes to the usernames are a good thing, uh, as it will make um, make it easier for people to find um, to find each other, and it will simplify the user experience. So, um, so some people have have, have positive outlooks on it, um, and um, and uh, one and even a bit more indifferences, uh, such as uh, this um, this last commentator who says, uh, I'm not um, too sure how to um, how I feel about the changes to the usernames, uh, so I'm going to have to see in, um, how it works out before I make up my mind." Which is also valid too. Um, a lot of users are compelled to uh, be, um, basically uh, choose, like try and choose like their their handles like um like ahead of time, mm -hmm. uh, to, or at least try. I'm um, trying to, I don't know, get um like get get themselves in the good graces of Discord to try and in, um, increase their chances. Uh, but um, only time will really tell how this is going to really affect the site. Um, there, um, there had, um, there's not, there's not exactly um, any reports. Some um, saying what, what will or won't happen um, right now. Um, since, um, since as this um, has only been been announced as of recently. Mm -hmm. um, however, um, if, um, if we do look at the track record of other um, platforms and other and other sites um, recently that have been trying to do um, massive overhauls to their um, to their um, accounts and um, and username privacy, um, then, um, then I would um, probably say that um, that unless they do this in a very, very particular um, way, um, where, um, where they're um, where they're able to well uh, essentially I don't know entitle everybody to um, to their uh, to what they're owed uh, I don't I don't I don't necessarily see this being a good um, a good idea um, just uh, if not for if not for the the inconvenience just simply for um for the like risk of risk of business that you're um, that, um, that it causes people um, uh, um, because because you have to kind of imagine I mean, I mean, yeah, you do get cre creators and um and uh com and community people and, and moderators that um that do run the site and um and have um and have a bit more of uh, um and have a bit more flexibility to um to get um to have those usernames uh rolled out to them. They do they um they're more and more known and prominent on the site. Um, so um so that they can have those. So mm -hmm. so it could be argued that if you are a creator, then you would want to um um prop yourself up to um to that status yourself. But I um but I'd also argue in turn that not everybody um is um really able to get that opportunity. Um, as um, as well as um, as well as really capitalize on it because um, because the on um, the level of overhead that dis um, that Discord puts on uh, um, not just the uh, not just the community in general but uh, the but the moderators who um, and who they favor as well they put they put them in bad standing you're um, you're almost um, make, making them like the kids that's going to get bullied at the lunch table when you do stuff like yeah. that and um and and this and you and you've seen and we've seen this before just recently again with Twitter Blue I mean when they um, when they first rolled um, rolled it out and um and made it a um, just just made it whatever um, it, um anybody that even tried to um tried to have like a Twitter Blue like um so like like a stamp next to their um next to their uh username was just immediately shunned it was it was kind of funny but not funny because it was bullying so <laughs> so um, um but uh, but um but in this, in this instance it was kind of deserved because anybody that bought twitter blue was just kind of asking for it and um and that and and even and, and and that and that rollout was so bad that it still affects the company to this day they still use twitter blue they've made twitter blue the de facto uh 
uh, that um, um, ser- um, service for their site at this point. If you don't, if you don't have a blue check mark, you're, you're more liable just to have your um, have your account shadow banned. I think. It's interesting. Um, like they they started with blue check mark being the symbol of whatever, 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 even if it wasn't. But now they've actually turned the blue check mark into a negative symbol because it's basically putting that sign on your back that says yeah, I and, support the dumpster yeah, it, fire that's going on here <laughs> exactly and and people and people were were so were had literally been so against it that they that they literally don't want to be associated by it ever since ever since like uh, Twitter had just been slapping blue check marks on on people's accounts there's just been massive blowback from um, like from from YouTube creators just going I didn't do it I didn't pay for um for Twitter blue like I, I would never pay for the service it was just got, <laughs> like pe- like people are li- are literally um like choosing size and picking out their um their colors over and stripes over this thing. <laughs> like it's like it's really insane like the like um like i've never i've never seen this much rep like <laughs> like, a, that, like in, that in, a, in be, a long time although that would be kind of a problem because like it basically signifies hey i paid for this thing that i didn't pay it, for they, and it would it be potentially Correct. like a false sort and, of and that was an, and that was, an, that was another yeah. issue that popped that popped up with the site too which is i didn't pay for this um for this service and it's being empowered on to me right. and um and it's causing me damage that was another issue with the twitter blue now um now some of those people were taking it a little bit to the extreme <laughs> however i mean it was still um it was still um, it was still a, um, a fair argument yeah. now the only the only real i mean not because we're on the topic of twitter blue the only the only real benefit that um that the username change um really had was for um those uh those uh, ad, those ads, um, those people that um, that ran ads on um, on the sites, uh, who needed like a golden check mark to kind of like separate themselves or mm-hmm. something. Uh, if you're like if you're a business or an up and running business, a blue check mark does work out more for you just because um just because um from that standpoint, you're um you're just kind of trying to promote yourself. Um, I see Discord working a lot in the same way. I see them trying to um to move a lot in the same way, and I sim- um and I simply don't think that they that they have all of their their ducks in a row before they implement this change i think they are <laughs> sipping too much of their own kool-aid and they're pull, um, and they're pulling a bit of a netflix where they um, where they just kind of assume that they can just make a judgment call and everybody just has to accept it yeah i feel like that's kind of the problem with discord is like it's a platform that has struggled for years under its own weight and mm-hmm. it doesn't really have a solid direction or a place to go in many cases its ux has been weird its mobile app has been unstable and now they're rolling out this change and removing a very crucial feature for a lot of people if you think about it it the numeric tag as it works right now acts as sort of an ad hoc verification system mm. right and With most platforms, the verification system is incredibly obtuse. You have to show some kind of identification and wallet, all that kind of stuff. All that stuff. But with this verification system, you have a bespoke numeric tag Mm. that is only on your account. Mm -hmm. And the problem that is, uh, the problem that this creates now is now you have billions of permutations of these usernames that you have to type. If anything, this will make the process even more convoluted, which is what Discord was trying to avoid with this. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then then I'm I'm trying to that then you have to then you have to get into the other issue which they, which they brought up in um in the article and which they're apparently aware of which is that everybody has different variations of um of the same username and they're pretty much telling those people well i'm not sure if i can say this too much but tough titties go um go <laughs> like you're um like you're gonna have to pick something different and that's just and that's just not fair i mean if you're um if you're if your site was ba- um was based off of the um off of the um the idea that your um that your identity is um, is separated through numeric or um, numeric code, then um, then it simply has to be the basis of your um, of your of your platform. You don't just get to change that without there being repercussions. And I don't think that um, the, um that the people um at the top are really looking at that. They um they're not really um viewing this as a, a big of a, as big of an impact as the, as it really is. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, I don't. I have no. I have no clue how it's going to turn out. Who knows? Maybe. Uh, maybe this works just swimmingly. People. People just get with the program and it's sunshine and rainbows from here. But I don't see. I don't see that happening. Any. Um. Um. Just. Just from pe- past experiences in really the last. The last year. But if you want. Want to get into it, the last five. Mm-hmm. Uh. And. And uh, if they really want. If they really want to hit this thing. This thing on the head. They're either going to have to do something really different, or they're going to have to have a lot more transparency than, than what they've displayed so far. What I think is odd is that like trying to increase the accessibility of Discord seems like a moot point at this point. If you're not already required to use Discord for either some kind of work or group related function, there's a very small chance you actually want to use it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's just the problem Discord's had for a long time, where it's like, 
what's the what's it purpose? For? Yeah, yeah, what's the purpose of this app? It's like if I'm doing using it exclusively for DMs and to keep in touch with people. Yeah, it's it's bad for large groups. It's amazing, um, but for everything else, it, it feels like they have feature after feature after feature. Well, what they should really be doing is improving performance, improving stability improving of an app UI, that's never had either yeah, of those. Well, things. yeah, because yeah, all they do is just it's just it's just like add more activities, more <laughs> games, more more com more communities, more like more 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 like icons and 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 ways to just like mo like monetize the site but they're not really um working on um doing any any quality of life improvements even yeah. like there's there's just there's not there's just almost nothing going into the um the like the foundation of the site there's no there, there's there's nothing being added to it mm -hmm. and 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 at this point in um in well it blew up again in 20 in 2020 it's been around longer than that but it, but like it's, it's had three years of of hype and this and at this point there are they're kind of hitting their shelf life here so <laughs> Um, so, um, so at this point, it's starting, it's starting to seem a lot more like they're being lazy, mm -hmm. um, or again, they're just drinking too much of their own Kool Aid. They yeah. just think they just think that they um, that they got this, and I don't mm, that 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 feels really dangerous. I'm always taking, <laughs> just feels dangerous. Yeah, I'm always taken back to 2020 um, when I was using their Linux client like 24/7, and what was so frustrating to me was that years and years and years after developing a a, a Linux client for their they didn't even have to develop anything. It was just Electron. It was based off of a format that all of these other apps had that required no development time. And they rolled this out onto Linux. They just barfed it out. And they were just like, hey, here's Discord, but we don't have spell check. And spell check was missing yeah. from Linux for years yeah. for no reason. And every time people would reach out to the devs about it, it was radio silence, crickets. And this is the problem. Their communication is awful. They do not have communications professionals on their staff. No. You can definitely tell it's a gamer app that's being developed by gamers. <laughs> and I mean that in a derogatory fashion because as much as I love gamers, we can't develop products. <laughs> yeah, not, well, not easy. I mean, like, I mean, like, not every not every gamer is equipped to run like to run a game service. I mean, we're, I mean, we're gamers for for a reason. Like, yeah. like, like, like we're like we like there, there's a really wide spectrum of us. And I don't know, like, I don't know who. Well, I know who who's running the like Discord, I guess. But I mean, I don't know. I seem like I feel like that guy just at, at least pump like pumps in at the very least three hours of Roblox. Yeah. Maybe maybe even Fortnite. I don't know. He might. Like 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 uh he I don't like I don't know it just seems like a lot a lot of companies are shooting themselves in the foot or just or just reneging on um, on uh, false promises I mean since we're since we're talking about gaming a little bit just Overwatch two stuff but anyway yeah. but anyways uh, uh we can uh, end off this sec the segment on that cool yeah and when we return a whole grab bag of things this has been a really busy week in tech anyway <laughs> we'll see you then. All right, we're back. Uh, there's a whole bunch of other stuff that I wish I could spend more time on, but I can't. This beat week has just been so busy. So first, we have more stuff from Google I.O. Google announced a responsible AI development initiative. Basically, they're wrapping in a whole bunch of their products with uh, this sort of idea that they're going to be doing it in a slow way that respects the rights of publishers and content creators. Okay. Um, they're going to be implementing systems where they have watermarks on their image generator suite that they have working on right now, uh, which is called Imagine. Mm -hmm. And they're attaching metadata to the picture and all that. And it raises a lot of questions like, oh, is this going to actually work for anything that's not developed by Google? Are these watermarks going to be consistently applied? Are these watermarks even going to prevent people from just sharing these images willy-nilly anyway? Right. But it is really nice that Google is actually paying attention to this and how content creators are affected by this mm -hmm. because there have been a whole bunch of very high-profile suits. I know Anthropic was sued. Midjourney was sued. <laughs> like All of these companies were sued because they just have not respected copyright with their image generating software. Mm. Um, and then and uh, they also basically said, like, these robots are probably not going to be racist or anything like that. Probably. Uh, okay. I mean, <laughs> well, how, how nice. At least they tried. Well, the, and they've done, like, a lot of really cool initiatives based on, like, AI equity before. Um, and I remember in Google I.O. 2021, they uh, launched this whole initiative with Google Camera, where they were basically going to use the model that they had for improving image quality to better reflect... 
uh, how skin tones are represented because with all of these smartphone cameras, they tend to overexpose dark areas a lot. So people with darker skin tones just would look absolutely messy or they would just be over brightened on a lot of phones. So that oh, was really oh, cool. Oh, trust, oh, trust me. I know that last one. <laughs> I look like, look like a Sunday chicken when I try and take, um, take a photo during sunrise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, it's, it's, it's something that's, it, it's something that's, that's really cool. And they're continuing that whole initiative. Again, it is very publicly facing. I have a feeling that this is still going to raise questions, even with search generative experience. And they're, they said like, open web is still important to us. We still, want ad spending to happen on these platforms so we are still going to be directing you to these sites when we are presenting you with an AI generated paragraph at the top when you search something up again that also raises a question it's like are people actually going to read further or are they just going to stop at that one answer or is you know I, I hope that unlike Bard they actually bother to add like some kind of citation or watermark th this information of some kind because I have a feeling people will legitimately want to read further mm -hmm. Google already has a similar feature to this right now where they have the search robots crawl all the like salient stuff for SEO and they're like hey here's the answer in this big block of text at the top of the search page, it's basically that writ large, right? Mm. Oh, okay. And, and I, I hope that that ends up driving more traffic to websites still. I think it is the most responsible rollout for all of this. So yeah, responsible AI, responsible AI, and then they also had a Pixel lineup launch. The Pixel tablet in particular was one that people were awaiting for a long time. I think it definitely lived up to expectations. The pricing is definitely at the high end of what I would con of what I would even consider reasonable for it. How much it's is four ninety nine. Um, okay, well, it is an Android tablet at four ninety nine, so I know that's kind of a turnoff for some people. But my Google's PlayStation actually... is four ninety nine. <laughs> <laughs> but like, um, and you know, compared to an iPad, it is definitely a base model iPad is definitely more expensive, and it is an Android tablet. And those have ha always had issues with using interface and you know apps being optimized for larger screens but Google said we are optimizing all 50 of our app of our in-house apps for this these larger displays which is something they've never done before since honeycomb which was well yeah. over a decade ago and Android tablets have just fallen by the wayside ever since I would argue that they aren't as bad as people say they are but like they're they're just kind of like I haven't used one they've in been a while. Uh, yeah the iPad has been the go-to for a reason and the only Android tablets that have really been successful have been Amazon Fire Tabs, and mm -hmm. those have been mostly revolving around Amazon services anyway. So it's it you know that's just kind of keeping people there. Um, but yeah, the Pixel lineup looks really cool. There was a eighteen hundred dollar Pixel Fold, which isn't that interesting from a consumer perspective. I have a feeling only people who are really into the Google Pixel phones. But if you've walked into a carrier store now, you're seeing a an increasing number of flexible and folding displays in phones that are enabling all kinds of different productivity features. But in the in North America, at least, it's only Samsung that's doing this. So getting yeah. them some competition and also encouraging developers to have this universal platform to target larger displays. I have a feeling Android tablets are not going to be that big. Of, like, uh, 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 th uh, not going to be that big of a deal, mm -hmm. but it's going to be the foldable where large screens on Android really start to shine um, because that's what Android's approach is because uh, years and years and years they've tried and failed with tablets. Google has not been a good steward of that. Um, but yeah, also Wear OS 4 is coming out. Speaking of things that Google has not been a good steward of, Android-based smartwatches are going to drain battery a lot less quickly now. Wear OS 3, in my opinion, was good enough in terms of like stability. I have a feeling... Wear OS 4 is not adding that many features, and it doesn't need to. In many cases, I think it shouldn't, and I'm glad that they're optimizing it more. Mm. Um, it's been it's just good to see Android smartwatches actually get the attention that they deserve because Google has bas basically abandoned Wear OS 2.0, and that platform started to look just decrepit after a while. <laughs> Even after they added new features and in-house apps to it, Google Assistant never worked on Wear OS 2. Mm. Um, but... Moving beyond that, they didn't talk about Assistant at all, speaking of which. And I feel like Assistant's just kind of going to fall by the wayside as they find ways to implement generative AI and natural language more seamlessly into it. So right. Assistant's just going to be on the back burner for them. I don't think it's dead. It's definitely gotten 
dumber lately, and people have noticed that the team that was probably developing Assistant mm-hmm. has been reorganized to fit more uh, generative products. But that's just going to happen. Google Assistant's so good. Like, yeah. I would argue. Yeah, I still play competent. I use it yeah. sometimes. <laughs> Android Auto, I mean, in Android Auto, it's not completely stupid. To be fair, my Google Assistant use is very simplistic. It's always like send a message, make a call, you know, uh, play this song. What's the weather going to be like today? Or doing like a basic Google search that would have information just immediately available. Um, but it's 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 good. It's still like, in my opinion, the model hands-free assistant. Um, Alexa, their entire division was scrapped by Amazon, and Siri is still Siri. <laughs> poor that that poor poor lady just trapped inside of this computer. Who... Uh, I'll, I'll have you know, Siri has like no gender. Don't assume. Oh oh, oh wait, yeah. Well, Siri, yeah, no. well, Siri, well, Siri takes on multiple different forms. Actually, uh, in the same way that Google Assistant does yeah. as well. Yeah, my my favorite, my favorite for Siri is like uh, this this male uh, Australian or no male South South African uh, oh, accent, yeah. accent accent. Yeah, it kind it kind kind of makes it kind of makes my my demands to him seem um, seem a little bit more posh. Well, yeah. If you're if you're if you're doing like if you're doing like male if you're doing like male South African um, like. Elon Musk, South African. You can just like pretend that. Oh, oh all the time. Yeah, <laughs> all the time. <laughs> you be like, so why, uh, so why did you not bother <laughs> to include any actual verification in your initial rollout of Twitter Blue? Just, just like grill him with all those journalist questions. But no, um, but I uh, am glad to see that they're actually implementing real products with AI, and it's not just like what ChatGPT is doing, which is like, oh yeah, here's something that's just kind of been vomited out, and you can kind of copy and paste it and draft things with it, but it's like, it's not that great. And it's the same with Microsoft. Search, Bing search is okay, but it feels separate and siloed from the actual search experience. Mm -hmm. And search generative experience with Google is actually trying to integrate that in the results so you can scroll down and see more links and stuff like that. I think that feels like an actual product to me. Mm -hmm. And I can't wait to test it out. It's gonna be cool, but um, also Google announced a bunch of accessibility features for World Accessibility Day. Uh, as well as a lot of other companies. Google uh, actually uh, released this feature where they didn't release it, but they announced it where you would, if you have like low or impaired vision, what you'd be able to do is you'd be able to hold up your Pixel and you'd be able to use the Pixel's camera Mm -hmm. and Google Assistant would basically just like say what's what's in front of your camera, right? <laughs> so it's like, hey, this is what this nutrition label, label says. This is what model of microwave this is. Oh, and dope. it's implementing those results as well from like Google Lens, which has an entire bevy of different products and objects and plants even. <laughs> Google Lens is a great product. And I think making that useful for people with disabilities is really awesome. Apple announced a kind of similar feature, but they've also announced a feature where they're basically streamlining accessibility across the whole platform. So making icons and text bigger, having that kind of contextual information being increased and decreased in size, and you can sort of adjust it at will. And it makes people uh, who, who who have difficult time navigate technology. And this isn't uh, just people with disabilities. This is people who just generally aren't really able to navigate their operating system very well. They might also be non-native English speakers, so they don't know what a certain text says, yeah. but they still want to have the operating system in an English language. Right. It's 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 really cool. Um, it's, I think well, that's yeah, great. It's, and it's very convenient and it's very and it's, and, and it's very great for communication. It, oh, it, yeah. it, it knocks down so many barriers. It, it, make, it makes things so much more transparent. For, oh. Absolutely. And, yeah, yeah I, I agree, definitely. Um, but yeah, that's cool. Uh, Microsoft also uh, impl- announced some uh, more accessibility features of their own. Uh, you know, all of these different companies re- launched stuff for World Accessibility Day. But I think what Google and Apple were doing in particular on mobile is the most important to me because I think mobile is where a vast majority of our computing happens. And it's mm. great to see that it's becoming more accessible. Um, and so then moving beyond that, Uh, We have had some other product announcements from various companies, as well as the AI publishing apocalypse. Uh, (laughs) Basically, there's like a whole bunch of sites. You can go on either countylocalnews.com or celebritiesdeaths.com. These are entirely AI-generated sites with entirely AI-generated content meant to just game Google SEO to the max. Um, And exactly the thing that we were fearing with generative AI, where it would pretty much just start pumping out Garbage content, yeah. yeah. Complete, like, just nonsense content and also uh, just spam SEO so you'd never have a proper Google search result ever again. 
uh, that's coming to bear, and it's coming to bear in a lot of very awful ways. And we're seeing music LM and video and and generative video as well. It's it's going to become worse, folks. You got to be vigilant. You have to look at these things. You have to make sure you're being responsible with the content you're consuming. Yeah, be um, prepared. <laughs> yeah, be prepared. Um, and also, Sam Altman uh, went to uh, Washington. He was talking there a lot about how to regulate AI and things like that. And I uh, forgive me for feeling kind of burned about that. All of these like major, uh, all of these like major tech CEOs going up to Washington, be like, please regulate us, but then lobbying against that very like, regulation that they're talking about. And what, whatever you think about tech regulation, that's just like it feels disingenuous in many ways. And Sam Altman, he seemed like he was having honest conversations, but at the same time, they were kind of being a bit easy on him. And I, this just keeps happening. And um, they, it was the same thing with Mark Zuckerberg. They were a little bit less kind to Mark Zuckerberg, but you had legislators after his hearings taking pictures with him and stuff like that. It's, it's just this, this stuff... I feel like they need to have a more aggressive stance on this stuff. Not too aggressive. Not like what happened to Shochu with the TikTok hearings. That was just ridiculous. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think we have word that they're tracking the eyes. But yeah, that, that was that was just ridiculous. But at least like give him some pushback and be a bit more assertive. And this is why I think journalism is so important. It's because where public officials are failing in their duty to necessarily ad address this in a very just gung-ho way, like, we're going to be there asking the tough questions. Right. Yeah. And a lot of, yeah, a lot, a lot, and a lot of um, tech companies are um, are having like a lot, a lot of trouble with taking uh, self-responsibility for um, for their actions. You know, uh, <laughs> uh, like um, like for for as many people that uh, um that a uh, lot like lobby for these things, uh, it um it, it becomes very 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 apparent that uh, mm -hmm. they they don't necessarily see what they're lobbying for, or at least or at least that they um that they know what it is that um that they're you know uh actually like doing when they yeah. um when they make when they make these pushes, mm -hmm. um and. Um and and it seems like the tech companies have is having this like just worldwide issues like shooting themselves in the foot, right? Like, you know, with um, just with a lot of their products, right? And and you know it's it's just like a game of responsibility here. And you know, playing devil's advocate, there is something to be said about the very lax regulatory culture, particularly in North America, regarding tech companies. There's been a lot of innovation. There's been a lot of product rollouts and so many things that have just, in, in general, expanded our economy and done a lot of great things. But at the same time, it, you know, all this stuff is a double-edged sword. Yeah. And the European Union is starting to realize that, and they're pushing back very heavily against North American tech companies. Mm -hmm. like, like Apple like has to use a USB-C for most of their ports now, at least yeah. in, in, in Europe. Well, uh, also they have to open up the, the app market on iOS, right? You can't just access apps through the App Store anymore. Yeah, they have to well, yeah, be able to sideload. Right, right? You, can't, you, can't be you, can't be, you can't be private anymore. You know, it, 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 a lot of changes are happening, it, right. se it just seems. And, it, um, and it, it just seems like a lot, um, a lot of um, these uh, these tech companies are they're having these issues are um, are uh, working from a um, from a from a frame point of a bygone era. You know they're they're yeah. um, they're 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 operating from um from a uh, obs obsolete um, way way of thought with um which is just that uh the, um, that the market can be this open you know anymore. Um, I, yeah. and, I mean it, and, and it would be it would be nice. I mean don't get me wrong. Uh, I don't think that like in the tech in the tech space uh that um that will ever stop being a, a free market or something like that. I don't think um I don't think I don't think that the um that the, that the room for competition will ever cease. Right. If anything, um, it'll expand competition if right. this antitrust stuff goes through because you'll have more room, more space for people to innovate. Well, exactly. And this, um, and, and at this point, is um, there's no need for um, for things to be so unregulated because mm -hmm. um, because there's just um, there's too there's too many uh, innovations just being made, being made at this point to where um, to where there should there should be procedures and rules set in place to um, to know where um, where you can and can't overstep your bounds. There, right. um, there, um, for um, for it's, it's great that there's a lot of cre creative expansion, but it's becoming uh, but it's starting to um, come at the expense um, at um, at the uh, gen general um, populace, you know, yeah. um, are, are, are we're getting massive price increases, you know, we're getting um, um, we're getting su subject to um, to stupid benign um, benign little fads, you know, like yeah. like like with the cores, like with the with the USBCs, you know, with yeah. um, with the um, with the with the closed off apps, right. you know, and I and I feel like a lot, um, I feel like that's where a lot of these um, these smaller tech or not smaller, but like these smartphones and like um um and and tech companies of the like really need to start moving into just sharing more of their um, more of their, their work with each other a bit like a bit more can't candidly um, mm -hmm. um just um just because I think it's becoming a bit more 
of a competition that it needs to be. <laughs> it's, right. it's getting it's, it's a different kind of competition. They're making all these they're trying to make these monopolies, but yeah, but, and then things are becoming increasingly closed source and increasingly proprietary. And we need to address that just in general in the tech community. Um, and something I really hope to do in the future is bring on. Uh, this one guy, Nick, from the Linux from the Linux experiment. Mm. Um, I've been talking to him a little bit on Mastodon. He's just absolutely great. Um, but far be it from us to end on a negative note. <laughs> There's also a product we've uh, we've been following. Uh, this is uh, via Engadget. There is a product called the Space Top. Okay, so yes, imagine this: a laptop. All right, just close your eyes really quick. All okay, right, eyes are closed. Just, just do like the Professor X fingers on your head and like imagine, right? Okay, mm -hmm. so it's a laptop. There's no display. It's just a keyboard and all the little laptop computery guts that's inside of it, right? All right. And so you have glasses that are in like a little caddy in the laptop and they plug into the laptop right. and they have like floating monitors that just appear in space in augmented reality in what? front of you, what right? So <laughs> Meta tried doing this with um, their kind of virtual desktop thing and it was awful because you couldn't see the keyboard and they tried to use their cameras to kind of splice in a video feed of your keyboard. It was terrible. And then Unreal launched these uh, AR glasses called the Enreal Air, mm. which are these like very thin glasses that you put on and plug into your computer, and it has like monitor, multi-monitor displays. It has a Mac OS and Windows app, so you can have floating monitors that appear in space, and if you turn your head away, they actually stay in that space. And so you can turn your head, and you can look back, and turn your head and look back, and that's great. Um, but the issue with that is that Mac OS and Windows are based entirely on monitors, right? right. So you have all of your apps that are being arranged in space in this little rectangle of a monitor, that causes a lot of user interface issues because the text can be blurry or certain icons can be less than visible. Right. So what if you just had something that was optimized entirely for that and you could take advantage of the glasses displays and the text wouldn't be blurry and everything would be usable? Well, that's what Spacetop is trying to do. They have their own like kind of Linux-based thing that's it's its own operating system. It has like a web browser and you can access all your Google apps and Spotify and all that. And all uh, that it's based on is that it's not based on a monitor, right? So you don't have desktops. You don't have those kind of virtual spaces that Windows and Mac OS have. Instead, you just have all of your apps floating in space and a little taskbar that's floating in space. Whoa, and, that's pretty dope. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's really, really cool. Um, and it's currently in like a closed beta at the moment. They have... It's it's based off of an opt-in. You kind of go in, you go through a sign-in process, and you're pretty much beta testing it for them. But it seems really cool, and I think this is like the concept of a laptop for the future, and just the fact that you're able to have so much more display space and be able to put so many more apps in front of your face, all, and all it's un yeah. it's unintrusive, right? Yeah. You don't have to set up a monitor. Yeah. You don't you don't have to take up all that space on you, your you desk don't, anymore. Yeah, you don't, or you don't need to like even like you don't even need to have like a desktop or like a, or, right. a, or, or a tower beside you anymore. Oh, like, it's it's like the 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 the, the possibilities are endless, right? Yeah. And office spaces are going to look very different in the future. It's really cool. Um, but yeah, thank you very much again. Uh, I think I'll read us out. All right, well, all right. <laughs> go well, for it. This has been Edgenode. Our station manager is Lily Conducey, and our production manager is Cyan Schumann. Our theme music was composed by Grace C. Elliott. Special thanks to the University of Alaska Anchorage for providing the equipment and the studio, and we'll see you next time. You can stay tuned right here on KRUA 88.1 FM or find our podcast feed on theurbansands.net. Thank you so much for listening, and remember, you can feature creep, but you can't creep it on the down low, because everybody's gonna know.